You've probably heard it all before, but this time, let Dr. Lanker connect the dots in a way that makes the Christian faith come alive. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Lanker, and I'm here to help you connect the dots. As a pastor and professor for the last 30 years, I want to help you not only understand the Christian faith, but to make it a transformative part of your everyday experience. Join me as we connect the dots. Now that Abram has come back from the land of Egypt and the land has been divided between him and Lot, we would expect for Abram to begin to establish himself and to achieve God's promises of inhabiting all of the land. But Abram apparently needs more encouragement. He needs more promise, which fits with where most of us would be. How is God for sure going to provide this land for him? In fact, one of the questions might be, how is he going to not just provide it for him, but provide it for his descendants and his people? Because God's made the promise that through Abram's people, all of the nations will be blessed. He's an old man at this point. And so he needs reassurance. And God shows up to him in chapter 15 in a vision. Visions in the end, something that people really desired, they would often use drugs or alcohol in order to put themselves into an inebriated state so that they might be able to see or interact with the gods. But God comes and meets with Abram by his own power, not by Abram's desire and, and his own work to be able to make God show up. And when he shows up, what he says to Abram is, I am going to take care of you. In fact, I want to assure you, it will be by your own birth, not by Eliezer, your servant, that you will have this inheritance. That's an incredible promise to make to an old man who cannot have children and his wife who cannot. This is also a promise that it is not going to be by a miraculous birth. There is only one immaculate conception in scripture, and that is with the man Jesus Christ. So the child that will be born to Abram and to Sarai is going to be of their own work. They're going to have to re-engage in a sexual relationship when they've probably long ago given up on that. And to assure Abram of this, he tells him to go out in the middle of the desert and to look up into the sky and look at all the stars. If you've ever been out in that dark of a place, the stars and their number is unbelievable. And God assures him, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. This is an incredible promise to Abram. One that he needs to be reminded is not just kind of a pie in the sky (laughs) type of promise, but God's already been at work. And that's why in verse six, he informs him, I'm the one who took you out of Ur of the Chaldees. If you go back a few chapters, it's his father who takes them out of Ur of the Chaldees. It's not Abram, but God says, I was at work even in your father's actions. I was orchestrating all of this. And so if I've been moving you along this way, I can accomplish long beyond you. I can work through you as the father for people that will come past you in that process. And then in verses 8 to 11, he assures Abram that he will possess the land. And so he wants him to take just a bunch of animals, some goats, some cows, some pigeons, and he wants him to divide them and cut them up, set them on two sides. So basically you have an alleyway in between these 
killed animals, which just is completely foreign to our minds. We don't know exactly what is going on here, but our best guess is that this is an example of what we see in Hittite covenant relationship, that they would cut animals in half and the two parties would walk between them. At the end of it, they would say, may I be like this animal? Should I break my promise of this covenantal relationship? And so, It's setting up the scene for God making a covenant with Abram. And while he's waiting, God gives to him this promise that, yes, your descendants will possess the land, but there's going to be 400 years that they're going to be in captivity. Why? Because the sin of the Amorites hasn't reached its full extent. God somehow is allowing a people that aren't the Israelites to have a chance for grace, to have a chance for patience from his wrath against sin, to find their way. But God knows that it just is not going to happen in that process. But yet he is going to give them ample time to be able to turn around and go the other way. And after 400 years, not only is he going to be patient with these Amorites, But he's going to take the people to a land where they'll become enslaved. This is the exact prophecy of what happens with them going into Egypt and becoming slaves there. He will bring judgment upon the Egyptians and they will walk out with much wealth. When they come back, he promises in verses 18 to 21 that he is going to give them all the land between the Nile to the Euphrates. In the ancient world, that was basically the known world. So in other words, what God is saying is, I will give you all of the earth. It will be yours and your people will populate all of that. My people will inhabit the entirety of this world and they will be descended people of faith like you, Abram, that I will work through. How is this going to happen? In verse 17, we have the weirdest image that we see. (laughs) Scholars give all kinds of ideas. There's nobody who says this is for sure is what it is. There's a smoking oven and then a firebrand that goes through the middle of these split animals. What's interesting or what is to be noted is that Abram himself doesn't go through. It's God himself that goes through this, or we assume that it is God himself going through these animals because of fire being there for sacrifices and God being like a fire that consumes are common images for how he reveals himself to the Israelites and common imagery that was used within the ancient world. In essence, what God is saying is, Abram, you are not making this covenant. I myself am making this covenant. I will hold it together. I am the one who will make sure that it happens. So what do we learn from all of this? This is a chapter that I think is full of insights into who God is. One, we do not need to take our efforts in order to have communication with him. In fact, we cannot control God to speak to us when we want him to speak to us. He shows up and he reveals himself and gives us his insight and his truth when and how he wants to. This is really important in the process because we oftentimes want God to speak to us. We want him to tell us a word. We want him to give us direction. 
and he will reveal when and how we need to. In fact, in Abram's uh, years of living up to 175 from the time he first reveals himself to him at age 75, so 100 years, there's only eight recorded conversations with God and Abram. There's only eight in all that time. So there's much of this relationship that is just Abram being faithful to one revelation. Could we be that faithful to a God that doesn't speak and doesn't work exactly when we want him to? And that, I think, touches on the second, is that God works in his own time, in his own way. And not only is he working for us and for our benefit, but he's working for the benefit of all of his creation. Here's the Amorites that he's not going to choose as his people to reveal himself, but yet he still has kindness and patience with them in their known sin that he's going to give them four centuries in order to turn the ship around. What kind of patience does that show of God in that process? It also shows that in the Israelites going into Egypt and going into slavery, that oftentimes the situations that we walk into that we can only see bad, like who wants to be a slave, that God can actually use and purposefully uses bad things in order to produce good results. Only through their enslavement in Egypt would they ever be able to walk out with the plunder that they walked out with. God knows that. He's orchestrating the whole situation. And oftentimes we say God cannot be at work because there's bad here. Maybe not. Maybe God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes like Paul talks about. Our trust needs to go far beyond the moment and needs to see him in the larger scope of history and to be able to trust him in that entire process. The last one that I want to highlight is that God promises that his people, Abram's people, the one that God has chosen to reestablish his kingdom through, will have possession over the known world. They will inhabit his earth, and they will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. God's work is not just for one particular people. It's to start with one particular people and to expand it across all of the known world so that his name is praised throughout all nations and all places. That's essentially what he's revealing to Abram within his view of the world And that needs to be ours as well. God is a God who doesn't just want to be known in one place. He wants to be known and worshiped throughout all of creation. May we have the same vision as Abram, that we can trust God to work in his time and speak when he wants to and how he wants to, that we would trust him even when things seem to be going from good to worse for us. And to truly believe that his goodness isn't just for us, it's for all peoples in all times in all places. And he will make his name great and he will do the most good for the most people through his miraculous work. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast. And if you'd like more information, please visit us at drjasonlanker.com. That's D-R-Jason-L-A-N-K-E-R. May you go in the grace of God, and may you not just understand the Christian faith, but live it more fully this week.